You are listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDT. I'm Stephen Henderson, and I'm always glad that you have joined us. According to the Pew Research Center, about one in 10 people who are eligible to vote in this year's U.S. presidential election are immigrants. And since the year 2000, the size of the immigrant electorate has doubled to more than 23 million. Immigrants are a significant voting bloc, and since 2016, they've become one of the most politicized segments of our country's population. As we look ahead to Election Day next week here in Metro Detroit, we wanted to catch up with a couple of people who are actively working within local immigrant communities who can tell us about what they're hearing and seeing in the days leading up to November 3rd. Steve Tabachman is the executive director of Global Detroit. Steve, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thanks, Stephen. Good to be here. Yeah. And also with us is Haig Oshigan. He is the director of New Michigan Media and associate professor of media studies at Wayne State University. Haig, great to have you back as well. Good to be here, Stephen. Thank you. Yeah. So first thing I want to do is uh, acknowledge the diversity of the immigrant population here in Metro Detroit. There are so many different immigrant communities in this region. Steve, I'll start with you. Tell us about what you're hearing from these various uh, immigrant populations as we get closer to voting day next week. Well, thanks for pointing out that diversity. It's a critical factor. You know, so often the national news narrative governs people's, colors people's view of immigration. And so all they see is our southern border, which is an important group here, you know, Latin Americans uh, to southeast Michigan. But the number one country of origin is India. And in fact, uh, many Middle Eastern uh, countries are among our top 10 source of immigrants uh, here in Metro Detroit. So it is a diverse population. Um, I look before I get into let me just add to that diversity. You know, there are over 425,000 foreign born people in uh, Metro Detroit, and they make up about 65% of the state's immigrants and over half of them are naturalized. And uh, we know nationally, seven in 10 immigrants have been in the US for longer than 10 years. So Mm -hmm. these are very much voters and part of our community. And frankly, they're um, feeling the same things that all Michigan voters are, is, uh, as you were just discussing with our Secretary of State. We have new rules governing voting in 2020, and we have a pandemic going on. And so there's a lot of information to educate voters on how to vote. And immigrant communities are, are no different. They're highly motivated in this election. As you know, uh, immigration is a, is a top issue. It uh, hasn't always been a top issue, but over the last four years, it has clearly become a top issue. But there are the same concerns that other communities have, jobs, the economy, health care, uh, you know, the, the, the sanctity of our democracy. All those things seem to be on the ballot. And so what we at Global Detroit and others have been doing is really just trying to get information out there to immigrant communities about how to vote. And on our website, we have uh, a number of materials translated into Arabic, Bangla and Spanish, the three largest uh, language is that we see among voters. And uh, there's just been a lot of effort among those who lead within the immigrant communities like New Michigan Media and others to get uh, basic information out there about how to vote early, how to vote absentee, how to use the drop boxes in the sec- and your clerk's office and how to track your ballot. Mm. Uh, hi, uh, tell us what, what you're seeing and hearing as we get uh, closer to November 3rd. Yeah, thanks, Stephen. And, and seconding everything Steve said, 
Um, I mean, New Michigan Media is a collaboration of the largest ethnic uh, newspapers in this region. And in a lot of these communities, the publishers of these papers are key people in the communities with ears to the ground, knowing what's going on, uh, in touch with everyone um, in, in, in their uh, environment. And so my conversations and, and what I've learned is through our discussions together on what's going on in, in each community. And I'll focus on the three largest ones, actually the ones that Steve mentioned, the Latino, uh, Bangladeshi, and Arab communities. And um, let me say up front that um, they have some similar concerns, and they do have some separate ones as well. Um, but there is general dissatisfaction with the Biden campaign as a whole uh, in the way that it reached out to them. Um, considering that in all of these communities, you will have probably overwhelming vote voting for Biden. Um, my sense is that, or their senses are that it's 80 percent or so for Biden in this election. And like Steve said, they're much more activated than normal. Uh, oftentimes, especially the Bengali community is often not very active during elections. But this year, they've they've become activated, and they've they've act, they actually have a lot of them have voted early. In addition. Um, but, but the Biden campaign has sent uh, surrogates, uh, you know, to all of them, mm-hmm. as opposed to engaging directly with them in conversation, especially in an age of Zoom, where you can s- very simply set up a, a, a meeting to, to talk and to share ideas. Um, you know, there's no reason why not to do this. Um, it, there's a concern here. Um, and, 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 and I'm focusing on Biden because I think... Uh, President Trump has basically um, ig- just completely ignored all of these communities. There's no contact from his campaign with any of them. Mm. Um, there's a concern here that they're repeating some of uh, the sort of optimism of the Clinton campaign uh, four years ago, where they took it for granted and didn't visit, um, didn't spend much in, in, in these immigrant communities. And they lost Michigan by 11,000 votes, uh, the, the, the Clinton campaign. 11,000 votes is nothing compared to the few hundred thousand immigrants that are uh, ready and, and able to vote uh, in this election. So that's a concern as well. I'm not sure how much we want to talk about the campaign itself and how it's handled things. Um, but we can also talk about issues. But this is yeah. the sort of the overall um, sense that I'm getting. Here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what about the pandemic and its effect on elections obviously uh, you know when when things happen they affect different communities differently uh, what are you hearing from immigrant communities about how the pandemic is playing into this election Hi, I'll start with you this time well in particular uh, the Latino and Bangladeshi communities um, have have expressed concerns um, so there's two kinds of concern with COVID-19 one is um, the fear of, of contracting it, and so um, it might lower turnout at the at the polling station. Um, if someone has not voted early, the fear of catching it might keep them home. Mm-hmm. And so, the, so there's a concern that it might affect in the Latino community. Um, maybe even that, you know, 15 percent might not turn out. Something like 10 to 20 thousand people might shy away from voting. Um, the the second issue is that it's an issue uh, in terms of how Trump has handled it. Um, especially in these communities where there's often no health insurance, uh, lack of documentation for assistance from federal sources. Um, the people have to pay uh, doctors out of pocket. They all know someone who has had some issue with COVID-19 expenses, losing a job. And so it's become an issue as well uh, in terms of uh, decision-making for the elections. 
Uh, Steve Tabachman, uh, are you hearing from people about the pandemic in particular and their concerns about uh, how it affects voting? Absolutely. Um, and uh, immigrant communities have been uh, devastated, uh, as have uh, communities of color, the African-American community, Latinx communities, um, even those who U.S. born. Um, and so, uh, again, the globaldetroitmi.org page has a whole set of uh, COVID responses uh, translated into Arabic, Bangla, and Spanish that are available. But as it terms to the election, we, you know, as Global Detroit, we're an economic development organization. We don't normally get involved in elections, but we, um, over the last six months, have been, uh, it's been necessary for the immigrant communities we serve to provide information in these times. And immigrant communities in, in particular rely on word of mouth and informal networks to get the word out about things. And as I said, there are new voting rules. We're having a pandemic going on. So there's a lot of information to digest about how to vote this year and how to be engaged. And so that's why we set up a website to help people get that uh, information in their own language. Um, the, you know, I think one of the frustrations that Haig uh, was uh, talking about may also exist in the fact that, you know, it's just not easy and appropriate necessarily to go door to door or hasn't been throughout this campaign. And that is what we would normally be doing. That's what Democrats would normally be doing um, uh, during, and Republicans uh, during an election campaign. And so there's just been far less of that kind of campaigning. And then, um, you know, the use of email and websites, those are with the digital divides we have that are repeated in working class immigrant communities in Detroit and Hamtramck and across the region, um, you know, there's just been difficult to get that kind of information. So uh, we've been looking at WhatsApp chat groups and we've been trying to, you know, post things in uh, local businesses and those kinds of things to get the word out about how to do this. The last issue I'll touch on that is unique to immigrant communities is is uh, at the polls uh, where many immigrants uh, who want to vote, who want to get engaged because immigration is such a hot issue this year or other things like the handling of the COVID uh, pandemic. Um you know, we there have been a shortage of traditional poll workers, as many of those are average over, uh, I think, 65 or something like that. Uh, and so there's been a heavy recruitment of bilingual poll workers. Um, those efforts have been largely successful. Uh, and, uh, you know, in Hamtramck and Detroit, uh, we've been told that they are fully staffed uh, for the polls and have plenty of bilingual poll workers. But there's been a huge effort uh, by the League of Conservation Voters, MichiganVoting.org, Access, APIA Vote, and uh, uh, other groups, Michigan United, et cetera, to recruit bilingual poll workers across the state and make sure that those who are going to vote in person on November 3rd um, have the assistance they need to to vote properly. Hmm. Stephen, let me add something yeah, to ahead, what Hank. you said, too, um, on the polling uh, 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 issue. I have heard uh, quite a few times uh, that a lot of people, especially in the Latino community, are actually scared to go vote. Um, I mean, as a result of the kind of atmosphere that's been created by this administration against immigrant communities, um, that especially new citizens, those who have become citizens uh, within this election cycle, uh, there is a general um, reluctance to show up and vote, um, scared that something's going to go wrong, some, mm -hmm. some, something's going to happen. And so um, there is... Um, it, it happened also with the census, uh, which which I was heavily involved in, uh, that people were scared to uh, participate. And it's it's an outcome, it's a result of the kind of um, 
general tone that's been set on 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 immigrants and immigrant communities and the talk on on immigration. Hmm. I okay. think it's important. Yeah, go ahead, Steve. I, yeah. yeah, I just think it's really important that we allay those fears that you absolutely have if you are a US citizen you absolutely have the right to vote and the right to vote free of intimidation. And I think that's what Secretary of State Benson is trying to accomplish. That's what all our elected officials should be trying to accomplish and standing up for. And we ought to do everything in our power to assist those voters, make sure they feel comfortable. I really appreciated that DT ran a bunch of news stories yesterday about the NAACP's mm-hmm. press conference. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and that, you know, this is America. This is the most fundamental right. Without voting, you have no other rights. It's your government. And if you can't vote free of intimidation, we're going to lose this democracy. And so we need to let our fellow citizens know that they absolutely have that right. They should feel free to exercise that right. And that all of us are here together to support them and uh, nip any kind of voter intimidation or any kind of violence in the bud and, and make it a free and fair election in everyone. Republicans and Democrats should be standing up for that principle. Yeah, I mean, it, it is it is galling and enraging uh, that we even have to say that, that we even have to talk about uh, the idea that people should be able to vote without other people trying to interfere with that right. Uh, but but that's where we are right now. And, and uh, you know, I want to add my voice to that, 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 you know, if you are an eligible voter, if you are eligible to vote, you ought to be able to cast your ballot. And nobody should question that. No one should show up and try to dissuade you from doing it. And certainly people should not be using misinformation uh, or threats of violence to try to dissuade those those voters. And and unfortunately, we are seeing uh, people uh, people do that right now. OK, we're going to yeah, take a quick. It's become a cynical tactic by by the campaign of, of the current administration. I mean, the yeah. whole issue of having guns at polling booths, it, it only plays into this. And there's no absolute, absolutely no other reason for it. Um, so it's 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 a it's really the cynical undermining of, of what America stands for. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about voting and immigrant communities as we get closer to November 3rd. We also want to hear from you. Are you an immigrant who's voting this time in the presidential election? Tell us how you're feeling about things that are going on as we get closer to November 3rd. Tell us what issues matter to you going into the election as well. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. News, music, culture, and community. Every day on 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station. Listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET, I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks very much for joining us. My guests are Steve Tabachman, who is the executive director of Global Detroit, and uh, Hi Goshigan, who is the director of New Michigan Media and associate professor of media studies here at Wayne State University. We're talking about uh, immigrant populations here in Metro Detroit, a big part of our community, and what they're thinking about the upcoming elections, how they're affected uh, by the pandemic in terms of 
what they think they may be able to do in terms of voting, and what issues are motivating them as we get closer to November 3rd. We want to hear from you as well. Are you part of an immigrant community here in Southeast Michigan. Tell us what uh, is going on inside that community as we get closer to the election. What issues are motivating you? What issues are you really thinking about? Um, And uh, also give us a call. Tell us whether you're experiencing some of the uh, unfortunate uh, interventions, I guess, uh, that 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 certain parties are are engaging in to try to dissuade people from voting, giving them misinformation uh, about the process or their eligibility. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page or to Twitter, put comments there, and we will try to include you in the conversation that way. Before uh, we get back to our discussion, hi again, Steve. I want to take a call from Luis in Detroit. Luis, welcome to Detroit today. Hi, Stephen. Hi. Uh, good talking to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to make a couple of comments. Um, number one, uh, four years ago, I wasn't even a U.S. citizen. <laughs> wow. And I was so distraught. I spent a year trying to um, accept you know, our fate since 2016 and I became a U.S. citizen in 2018 and uh, I registered to vote immediately and I um, I never really understood how it all impacted in in the big picture and, and now it's so important for me to tell everyone that voting is not a right, it's a necessity. Mm. You know, the terrible things that we're going through right now I don't even know how to communicate to people about the things that we're seeing out there. But um, I wanted to just let everybody know that, hey, the vote counts. And uh, we did it in 16. I hope we also do it in 18. Mm. So, so, Luis, tell me a little about your journey to becoming a U.S. citizen. Uh, how difficult? How difficult yeah. was that? <laughs> I, I spent 15 years undocumented. Uh, wow. You know, yeah, and um, this is a such a um, a touchy subject for me because it's always I'm in Detroit because I have this dire uh, this fire in my heart about helping my brothers and sisters and and it's always about the haves and the have-nots. You know, a lot of immigrants today are showing up on you know on a plane with a visa, and their life is great. And they don't see the necessities of undocumented immigrants. Mm. And they don't understand because they have never been there. They don't they don't know what it is to grow up undocumented, you know, like our dreamers, you know, people who um, who belong here and are being treated like second class citizens because I was one of them. Now I have the right of the vote. And I can tell you that I wish I could tell people, look, just because you are an educated professional and you landed in this country with a visa doesn't mean that everybody else is in the same boat. Mm. You know, we have kids today, you know, 19, 20 years old who only speak English because their parents to do good for them only spoke English to them, but and they're not even citizens. Right. And uh, it, it's really hard for me to really, you know, talk about this topic without getting emotional because it's always about the people crossing the border um, by foot, 
versus the ones that are out there, you know, showing up in an airplane uh, at Detroit Metro Airport, right. you know, with everything, their red carpet rolled under them and, and they're in good shape. And all of a sudden they join the crowd of the haves that don't even understand what the have nots have gone through. And then it's the needs that we as immigrants and as minority groups need, you know, have in this country. Yeah. So, uh, Luis, uh, it's such a wonderful story and and i can hear so powerfully in your voice how much it all means to you and and it should mean as much to us those of us who were who were born in this country uh the 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 absolute aspiration that other people around the globe often have to be able to come here uh, and be a U.S. citizen and enjoy all of the all of the benefits uh, of that citizenship. Uh, it, that's just an incredible story, and I'm I'm glad it's worked out for you, and I'm glad you will be able to cast a ballot that that counts just as much as mine uh, on uh, next Tuesday. Uh, Steve and Haig, I'd love to hear you just react to what Luis is saying here. Steve, I'll start with you. Sure. Thanks. Um, very powerful sharing by Luis. Um, and he's so very right, you know, that those of us, uh, those in the immigrant community who want to write off separating children from their parents uh, and losing 500 children in the process, who now we're not sure will ever be able to find their parents, to try to separate that issue from other issues uh, around immigration. Uh, we know in Metro Detroit, how, um, you know, that these issues are tied together so that when President Trump started by talking uh, about the quote unquote rapists that come from Mexico um, and demonizing Mexican-Americans, um, it wasn't too far into his term before we had the uh, Muslim travel ban. And then we started the deportation of many Chaldean uh, Americans who were, you know, uh, not even fluent in uh, Arabic or their or other languages, and for minor crimes, are going to be deported back to a, uh, an Iraq that is undergoing a genocide, a race war, uh, you know, a religious war in which the, you know, the the uh, bishop in uh, Mosul had been beheaded, and we saw religious violence. And there are many other countries that have uh, t- what's called TPS or Temporary Protective Service from war at home or natural disasters that the Trump administration has been revoking. And so um, it, uh, you know, we tend to focus a lot on the southern border in terms of national media, but these immigration issues um, are across the board that it's, it's, it's very obvious that this president has said very publicly that he wants to curb it, all immigration, that he demonizes immigrants of all types, and that impacts immigrants of all kinds when he um, uses derogatory language to refer to the coronavirus we've seen an uptick in Asian focused hate crimes yeah. and that can be towards US born you know third fourth generation Asian Americans uh, and so these issues are very much all tied together and very much on the ballot uh, next week yeah hi uh, one of the things that was just so evident in Luis's call is, that aspiration, that ambition to become an American, and and so often, so often we see people uh, insulted for that ambition because they didn't do things exactly the way we say they should. Uh, we want to demonize them. 
because they haven't quote unquote followed the rules. But I think Luis is a great example of how that aspiration, that ambition is common across uh, just uh, just about everybody who decides that they want to be part of this country. Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, you have to imagine someone who comes here as an immigrant. They usually have established a family, a home, a network of friends and in, in their home country, and they're willing to give all of that up, uh, move to a new place with language challenges, cultural challenges, all kinds of other issues, um, see, not see their friends anymore, not see other family members any longer, sacrifice their own lives, essentially, and careers for the sake of their children to grow up in America. This kind of sacrifice, um, you know, is, is not to be demonized. These are people who should be welcome into our communities. Um, after all, they're our neighbors. Uh, and, and, you know, if we don't stand up for each other, I think we all lose in, in Detroit and in the nation. Um, there needs to be a path to citizenship for people who are here. Um, the Trump administration, instead of discussing even remotely the idea of allowing people to become citizens, as Louis said, has demonized the issue, as you put it, Stephen, and, and, and has gone the opposite direction, making it extremely difficult for anyone to come here, uh, you know, essentially shutting down our asylum program, shutting down our refugee program, mm -hmm. uh, creating a Muslim ban, cutting down H-1B visas for skilled workers. Um, the, the residency and, and citizenship times now have been tripled and quadrupled. People have to wait dozen years to get, you know, in, in, to be able to get a, a green card. The public charge rule has been implemented in a different way to disallow people to, to be able to become residents. The DACA program has been undermined, and he's tried to stop it. He's tried to stop family migration uh, for relatives to come to the United States or people who are already here. He's tried to stop diversity lottery. I mean, how much more can you add to this list of attacks on immigration in, into America yeah. um, when, when it should be the opposite? Right. To find right. ways to make it easier and, and a, a path to Okay, yeah. Steve Tabachman and Hi Ghosh again, always great to have these conversations with you guys. Thanks very much for being part of the show today. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen. Okay, that's going to do it for us today. We're going to have a conversation tomorrow about the role of healthcare in the presidential election. I hope you'll join us for that. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.